The music is provided by Calvary Quartet. You can have more of their music at calvaryquartet.com or log on to our website at gospelbaptistchurch.com. There came a sound from heaven, a mighty rushing wind. Tonight I want to talk to you about the power, and it's not a new title though, the sermon, I probably preached three or four sermons on the same title, but all different texts. And tonight is, is no different than that, Second Samuel chapter 13. 1 through 22, a sad story, really. Uh, the Bible, um, the Bible, interestingly enough, doesn't just tell you all good stuff, positive stuff. Because people say that they don't like going to churches that talk about negative things. Well, then you're in a strange world, that's for sure. You're definitely not in the real world um, because the real world has a lot of negative things that we face every day. And just trying to ignore that they're there will not make them go away. God has put a lot of these hard things and stories in that have happened, happen, you know, cases in the Scripture to encourage us to do the right thing. These things are written for our admonition. We would not repeat the same mistakes that these dear folks made. Um, I sure don't want to. I want to avoid what they have avoided. The power of peer pressure. You young people here tonight, especially pay attention to this. The older folks probably have an idea about this already, but the younger folks specifically uh, struggle with this. Um, there is no such thing as a generation gap. I, I like your multi, uh, the Bible study where you had different generations. There's no such thing as a generation gap. There's only ideology gap. In other words, what I find is this 20-something down front here, 20-something down front here. Are you 20 yet? You're not 20 yet, are you? Are you? I was going to say a teenager. Are you 19? You're 20. I went past that a while ago. Uh, but but your teenagers and your 20-somethings and your 30-somethings and your 40-somethings and your 50-somethings and your 60-somethings and your 70-somethings and your 80-somethings and even in this room, 90-somethings, all have, we're, we're just like this. Why? Because our ideology is the same. We have the same Savior. We have the same book. Uh, we have the same hopes. The same dreams, because we read the same book, we have the same Holy Spirit. You think about how much makes us alike, that we shouldn't allow people to just make us different by age. Now, we have a vast difference of experience in that range. There's a lot of experiential differences. But uh, by the grace of God, we can avoid something tonight. Uh, I want to just illustrate this. We'll go down through it during a little exposition. Starting in verse 1, let me begin to read on 2 Samuel chapter 13. It came to pass after this that Absalom, the son of David, had a fair sister whose name was Tamar. Absalom, by the way, uh, was a hunk, as you girls would say. According to what the Bible describes him, he was about as good as, as a human being gets as far as looks go. The Bible says he didn't have a blemish from head to toe. Now, when the Bible says you don't have a blemish, you don't have a blemish. Uh, he looked good, his hair, he had some sort of a thick, fast-growing head of hair. And, brother... All you people don't have hair. I know you're envious when you read down through about Absalom, how he cut his hair every year, and it weighed so much, you know. It talks about how much it weighed. And how, but this old boy, when he walked by a mirror, he stopped. Wow, you look good. Because uh, he did look good. 
I mean, he looked good in every way. And when the Bible says he had a fair sister, he had a fair sister. She was a head turner, a, a, a traffic stopper, uh, whose name was Tamar. And Amnon, the son of David, loved her. And Amnon was so vexed that he fell sick, love sick, or if I may say, lust sick for his sister Tamar. For she was a virgin, and Amnon thought it hard for him to do anything to her. Duh! Yeah! First of all, she's family. I mean, I realize they did things back then that we just don't even think about doing today. I mean, uh, years ago, they'd marry first cousins, and that's caused to be, that's found to be problematic genetically. Evidently, back here, they didn't have, so the gene pool hadn't been polluted and such, where they could marry a little closer than they do today. In Amish communities, I was raised with Amish folks. Actually, there were serious, serious problems among Amish because they marry too close. And they have serious diseases and problems and, and, and DNA problems with the with these different things that go on with them. I'm not, I'm not a doctor, so you can ask him about that later. But in verse 3, but Amnon, this is the key, this verse here, but Amnon had a friend. I'm going to repeat that a few times tonight. But Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, or John, I call him Jonadab. Some pronounce it Jonadab, but it's Jonadab. Uh, the son of Shimea, David's brother. And Jonadab was a very subtle man. And he said unto him, Why art thou, being the king's son, lean from day to day? Will thou not tell me? And Amnon said unto him, I love Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. And Jonadab said unto him, Lay thee down on thy bed, and make thyself sick. And then when thy father cometh to see thee, say unto him, I pray thee, let my sister Tamar come and give me meat and dress the meat in my sight that I may see it and eat at her hand. So Amnon lay down and made himself sick. And when the king was come to see him, Amnon said unto the king, I pray thee, let Tamar, my sister, come and make a couple of cakes in my sight that I may eat at her hand. Then David said, I sent home uh, to uh, sent home to Tamar, saying, Go now to thy brother Amnon's house, and dress me him meat. So Tamar went to her brother Amnon's house, and he was laid down. And she took flour and kneaded it, made cakes in his sight, and did bake the cakes. And she took a pan and poured them out before him, and he refused to eat. And Amnon said, have, all, have out all men from me. And they went out every man from him. And Amnon said unto Tamar, Bring meat into the chamber at the bedroom. They may eat of mine hand. And Tamar took the cakes which she had made and brought them into the chamber of Amnon, her brother. And when she had brought them unto him to eat, he took hold of her and said unto her, Come lie with me, my sister. And she answered him, Nay, my brother, do not force me, for no such thing ought to be done in Israel. Do not thou this folly. And I whither shall I cause my shame to go? As for thee, thou shalt be as one of the fools in Israel. Now therefore, I pray thee, speak unto the king, and he will not withhold me from thee. That's interesting. And howbeit, he would not hearken unto her voice, but being stronger than she, forced her and lay with her. He raped her. Then Amnon hated her exceedingly. And I've seen this, and I've seen this in marriages, by the way. And he hated her exceedingly, so that the hatred wherewith he hated her was greater than the love wherewith he had loved her. And Amnon said unto her, Rise, be gone. And she said unto him, 
There is no cause. This evil in sending me away is greater than the other which thou didst unto me. But he would not hearken unto her. He didn't hearken unto her uh, from the very get-go when she preached to him and tried to warn him, don't do this for the consequences that are going to come. Then he called his servant, ministered unto him, and said, put now this woman, and as she's saying, already disrespecting her, dis put this woman out from me and bolt the door after her. And she had a garment of diverse colors upon her, for with such robes were the king's daughters that were virgins appareled. Then his servant brought her out and bolted the door after her. And Tamar put ashes on her head and rent her garment of divers colors that was on her and laid her hand on her head and went out crying. And Absalom, her brother, said unto her, Hath Amnon thy brother seen, been with thee? And, and But hold now thy peace, my sister, for he is thy brother. Regard not this thing. So Tamar remained desolate in her brother Absalom's house. Now, I know as I read down through this, if you're like me, you're going, error, 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 in handling this situation. There's being wrong decisions made on all directions on this thing. Um, first of all, I got to say a little bit about Tamar. Uh, she probably when they come into my bedroom was like, how about we eat out here? Right? I mean, no offense, men. Um, when the King David heard of these things, he was very wroth. I have in my notes, but did nothing. It doesn't do much good to get mad at sin if you don't do anything about it. Oh, he stomped around. He got when he got wroth. The word wroth means wrath. It means he got he had him a spell. He was mad. He probably threw stuff. He probably did. I don't know. He beat his sword against the floor. I don't know what the man did when he was wroth, but he had a spell. But he did nothing. He did nothing. Absalom spake to his brother Amnon, neither good nor bad. Look at the bitterness. Absalom hated Amnon, but it was secretly because he had forced his sister Tamar. When you were in a place of making a decision, and it's a, it's a big decision. You are vulnerable to suggestions, uh, especially when that decision has come uh, with questionable possibilities and outcomes, or possibly even bad outcomes or wrong outcomes. It has been said the most powerful person in America is the president's wife. Is the president's wife. That ought to scare you today. Why? This principle of vulnerability before a decision is made, that's why. Makes the president's wife, uh, as they lay in bed and go before they go to sleep and have a little conversation, uh, one of the most powerful conversations in the United States of America is when there's a big decision to be made and the wife of the president's sitting there and he has, he's, he's heard all kinds of advice in every kind of direction and his most trusted confidant says, well, I think maybe you ought to do this. Wow. Person's very vulnerable to suggestions when you have large decisions to make and you wonder, you're not sure which way to go. The person who wants an outcome but just does not quite know which way to go is naturally seeking advice. Makes sense? I don't ask my wife advice on what, what, what gas station to go buy my gas. I don't ask my wife, my wife advice whether I ought to buy a gun or not. I don't ask my wife's advice whether I ought to join the NRA as an endowment member and receive a free jacket. 
I don't ask my wife whether I ought to send money and get a, a Make America Great hat. Uh, to, to, I, I don't ask her those kinds of things. Those are things we don't have to discuss about. I know what I'm doing. If I need a new t- set of tires on my truck, I don't go to my wife and say, what do you think we ought to do? Think we ought to get a new set of tires? No, but when it comes to, uh, Brother Moon's just been through this. When it comes to a church calling Brother Moon up and saying, we'd like you to come up and, and preach to us, uh, I bet you talk to your little woman. Uh, I, and I bet your woman has some influence on you. If your woman would have said, no, whatever happens, I love Pastor Bill so much, we cannot leave. He is such the best administrator I've ever been around. He is such a wonderful person. I'm not even considering he's preaching and all the other stuff. Please don't go. It influenced you. Yeah, I might as well say it. It's never going to be said, so. People rarely ask advice about non-important decisions, about decisions they, they if they know the income, if they know it's right to do, they'll do it. I don't ask my wife, do you think I ought to pass tracks out? I know passing tracks out is a good thing. I do it. I don't ask my wife whether they ought to talk about Jesus to other people. I know it's right to talk about Jesus to other people. I do it. What if that new uh, Dodge truck comes out? With the slider doors and all the other stuff, and I look at that, and my truck's got about a couple hundred thousand miles on it. Things starting to go bad. I, I I may go to, I may not, but I may go to her. But when you come to buying a home or buying a vehicle or or uh, God forbid, marrying a person, having kids, uh, choosing a church, college, or whatever, you should get some advice. You should get some advice on those things. There's, there's a safety in a multitude of counselors, the Bible says. I think when Laura, when you were getting ready to change countries, I know when you were here last time, it was a big deal on your mind. Do I do this? Don't I do this? Do I go? You don't want to make a mistake. You don't want to get out of the will of God. God forbid you're out of the will of God and in a foreign country. It's bad enough being out of the will of God in the United States. Don't be in a foreign country and be out of the will of God. And so you want to make sure she was caring. I'm sure you got all kinds of advice. You sought all kinds of advice. And then, of course, as you mentioned, what happened there, God kind of sealed the deal for you. Uh, but you seek advice. The question is, who do you go to ask advice? There's a lot of ways to preach this text tonight. But I want to settle in. And Amnon had a friend. I want to talk about who you go to to seek advice. It could be said, a wise man is the one who seeks out wise counsel. And a fool is the one who seeks out foolish counsel. In Proverbs 13, 20, it says, He that walketh with a wise man shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. In other words, you are the advice you get. You are the people you hang around with and the advice you get and who you ask. Well, let's go through the, the just briefly through step by step here as I try to resummarize what we just read here and then maybe have some application. Uh, let's look at it. First of all, Tamar, Absalom's sister, was raped, but Amnon had a friend. Uh, her rape involved more than just she physically was violated. It was that she would never be married, but Absalom had a friend. She would never have a family, but Absalom had a friend. Uh, Amnon eventually was murdered by Absalom which was an outcome of the decision of 
Amnon had a friend. Amnon's wife, kids were left, a, and wife was left a widow, kids left fatherless, if they had any at that time, all came because Amnon had a friend. Absalom was eventually banished from his father because of that murder. We could say because of Amnon had a friend. Absalom's wives and kids were eventually deserted. Why? Because Amnon had a friend. Uh, David's name was shamed throughout the whole country. Why? Because Amnon had a friend. Uh, David was robbed of sweet fellowship of both Amnon and eventually Absalom. As you know what happened to Absalom. Why? Because Amnon had a friend. The Bible says in 1 2 Samuel 13, 37, Absalom fled and went to Talmai, and, and the king of Geshur, and David mourned for his son every day. Why did David have to mourn for his son? Because Amnon had a friend. In 1338, Absalom fled and went to, and there was he was there over three years, separated from his family and from his wife, from everybody. Why? Because Absalom had a friend. The Bible says in, in 2 Samuel 1339, that David longed to go forth unto Absalom, for he was he was comforted concerning Amnon because he couldn't get him back. He was already gone, seeing that he was dead. Why did all that happen? Because Amnon had a friend. Eventually, Absalom came back because uh, of Joab's story and was brought back in fellowship and began to win the people over and won the heart of the people over, evidently. Was going to come and take the kingship over. David wisely fled before his son. Why did all that happen? Well, he had to take, he had to flee. He's king of the country, he had to flee. Why? Because Absalom had a friend. David had left his ten concubines which were publicly humiliated and left desolate the rest of their life with no children. Why? Because Amnon had a friend. Absalom's wives, because Absalom was, was killed in, in war and battle, his wives became widows, his children fatherless, if that was the case. We had a, um, in fact, if I remember right, Absalom didn't have any children. He had, he had a, uh, by the way, have you ever been to Jerusalem? How many have you been to Jerusalem? There's a pillar set up called Absalom's Pillar. Our guide said that's the very structure that was built. I said, you are kidding me. That is the structure that was built because of Absalom? Yeah. Why did all that happen? Because Absalom, because Amnon, excuse me, had a friend. Every consequence we just went over, and, and maybe not totally inclusive, ended with because Amnon had a friend. Why? Because be because of that little advice that, Am that Amnon friend Jonadab gave him, it, he followed it, and all of those consequences and more and, and that have not been mentioned happen because of getting the wrong and receiving, if I may say, the wrong advice. You are who your friends are. You can come to me and say, Brother Bill, I listen to this kind of music, but I don't follow what they say. Yes, you do. I can go into your teenager's bedroom and tell you who he is. I can go into your teenager's bedroom if you give me permission. I can tell you who your girls are. I can tell you what they're, who they, you tell me who their heroes are. You tell me the music they listen to. You tell me the, the shows they watch or the movies they watch. I'll tell you who they are. Because they're taking who you take advice from, who you look up to, 
who you want to emulate is who you eventually become. My mother used to say to me sometimes, if your friends told you to walk off the cliff and follow them, would you do it? How many moms did, <clears throat> where do mothers get this? Is there, a, is, there a, is there a website you go to? This is the sayings mothers should say to their children. There was no web back then. There was no internet back then. I, I, and I forgot who invented the internet. It was one of the, I'll never, yeah, Al Gore. Al Gore hadn't invented the internet yet. And, 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 you know, I mean, there was no, back when I was a kid, there was very little communication. I mean, you know, you didn't have to do this to the phone, but you did have to do this, not this. But we thought we were in hog heaven where you could push buttons and dial the phone. Remember that? Oh, we are hog. We got to push buttons and dial the phone. But we just go, we had a party line. How many know what a party line is? Hey, man, you'd pick it up. Well, the beautiful thing about party line is you can listen to what your neighbor was talking about. You'd pick it up real slow so I didn't hear that click, you know. you pick it up. My mother said, son, if, if your friends walked off the cliff, would you follow them? The answer was yes. Why are they your friends? Well, they make you laugh or they compliment you. They help you work. They see you may use are popular with them. They play the same sports you play. They dress like you dress or, or they're dressed cool or they have a nice car or they, uh, maybe they're good looking or they enjoy other things in fellowship. Uh, and that makes them your friend instead of that they love the Bible. And that makes them your friend or they love God or they want to do right or they want to be honest in their dealings or they want to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, even if it hurts them. Uh, they have solid character and good reputation in the community. They love other people, and they want to go soul winning. They want to see other people saved. That's the way you ought to choose your friends. The problem with Amnon was the way he chose his friends. Had he not had Jonadab, which was a sneaky, the word subtle means sneaky, he was slippery. My dad used to have a guy working for him in the floor covering. And my dad nicknamed everybody, you know. If, if he'd have been around here long enough, Doc, he'd have nicknamed. In fact, he probably had one. I didn't know it. But he used to call this guy Slippery. That was the guy. I didn't know the guy's name. I'm trying to tell you. I, I think at one time I knew his name. But it, the guy was a great mechanic. But he would come in. And I remember my dad had six different crews that would come in. And I'm a little tyke running around, you know, listening to what's going on. And he'd bring one crew in, in the morning. They'd get their materials and go out and work. So my dad would be managing them as they would come in, and, and, he, and old Slippery would come in. He'd say, Slippery, how you doing? I'm good. He'd say, I'm good. And, and so I had as a kid, you know, I'd hear him take mom, and mom and he would talk back and forth. I'd say, they'd say, well, what was his name Slippery for? Oh, well, he, he does things that are kind of sneaky, kind of sneaky snake stuff. Uh, he, 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 would, he would stay in Elkhart, Indiana for a while and lay floor covering, and then he would, he would, at night, about midnight, load all this stuff up, midnight, and load all this stuff up, go to California, live in California for about a year. Then at midnight, he'd load his stuff up and come back to Elkhart. And so I got his want to know why. Well, he'll, he'd go, back then you could finance furniture. God forbid, if you've got to finance furniture, you are dead poor. Don't ever finance furniture. Come to me. Don't finance furniture. We'll have Lil get you all the furniture you ever wanted. Right, Lil? 
All you gotta do is mention, Lil, I need some furniture. You have a house of furniture. You want you have to have to have a garage sale to get rid of the stuff. Lil loves to help you. She'll go down there and have you some some of that some of that name brand stuff that these rich people give away to goodwill. That's right, that's right. And uh oh brother. But anyway, he says, he'll go buy furniture, you know, finance it. And when the payments come, do you get like six months, no payments, and then you can be late three payments. And at the, so you got nine months before they actually come and get the furniture. And so when it came time to get the furniture, at midnight, he'd just be slipped away. He'd slip, he'd slip back to California. And then when he got in trouble in California, he'd slip back to Elkhart. And, I mean, they called the guy Slippery. And I'm, I'm, he had another name, and the Lord will give it to me. I'll say what it is. But, but that was that was... That was Jonadab. His name was Slippery, Slippery Jonadab. He was a subtle guy. He was he was always trying to, have you ever been around the guy that's always trying to beat the system? They're always trying to do a con. They're always trying to do, do like a, a double deal on something or always trying to get a better, you know, and, and it's always on the fringes. It's always on the fringes. Well, hey, you can pay no taxes if you buy this and rent this and do this and buy that. How about I just pay your taxes and sleep good at night? I'm not for paying taxes if you don't need to pay it, but don't get over there on the fringes. But Amnon had a friend. And it was a friend at the precise moment when he was vulnerable. His flesh was tempting him to do something and he is, that his conscience and his moral being said was wrong to do. Tamar did not deserve and should not have been treated the way she was treated. And he knew it, and he knew it would shame the whole family. But I'm going to tell you, there's a place, and this is a good lesson too, there's a place if you don't deal with your lust early, there is a place your lust will master you. And your lust will tell you what to do. And you don't care if a guy came up and took a gun, put it in your temple and blew your brains out. You're going to do it. Lust is that powerful if you let it go. The Bible says he lusted on her and he kept thinking about it, rolling that over in his head. Man, brother, shake yourself. If, if you're beginning to do something like that, come before God and confess it and repent to him and ask him to, to cleanse your mind and begin to put memory of Scripture in there and be able to push those things out. Because if what you meditate on, you will eventually want to do. Let the words of my mouth, but the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. God knows Enough to know that if what you think about, what you meditate on, eventually will turn out into your actions. But Amnon had a friend. Right at the precise moment. Now, what could what could what could Amnon done? Well, I'll tell you what he could have done. He could have went to his dad. What did Tamar say? Go to my dad. Ask for my hand in marriage. He'll he won't deny you. He'll give it to you. Wouldn't that have been a better outcome? Wouldn't have been a better outcome? I mean, he could have gone to his mom. You know, if he's afraid to approach his dad, he could have went to his mom and said, Mom, I got this girl, man. I really like her, and I really would like to marry her. And, and, and could you work with dad on that and, and see if we can happen? And then maybe get it would have been a better deal. Or he could have just done the best thing and go to God. Talk to her a little bit. Said, you know, I, I like you. 
and, and expressed himself to her and treated her like a human being, not some machine. Look what it costs. Boy, young people. God will give you what you want if you want it bad enough. You want to do drugs? If you want it bad enough, God will let you do it. You want, you want wild, crazy sex? Illicit sex? If you want it bad enough, God will let you have it. Buddy, price. Sin's going to, I love this little poem. I, I just repeat it, but I just love it. Sin will cost you more than you want to pay, keep you longer than you want to stay, take you further than you want to go. That isn't right. That didn't come out right. But I'm going to try to get it right. Let me try round number two on that. No, I don't think I'm going to. Sin will cost you more than you want to pay. Keep you longer than you want to stay. There you go. And it'll, it'll hurt you. Man, I think of the tragedy of this. Just as, and this went on. This was just, what we mentioned tonight is not the full encompassing of the tragedy. Why? It affected children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren that were never born. When somebody dies prematurely like this, it cuts their family off, cuts their name off, and affects their children and their grandchildren. I got to think that when all this was going on, David reflected on that. When he was on the roof. And he was walking around and he saw this fair woman, beautiful. I'm talking about eye, neck jerking, beautiful. Bathsheba. Washing herself. You know, when this girl was making these cakes and cooking, you know what he was doing, don't you? He was lusting on. He was looking at her every move, firing himself up. David, when that woman was washing herself, was firing himself up. Brother, the first thing he looked over there and saw her, he should have said, whoa, stop, whoa. Let me get out of here. Hey, we're out of here. The Bible says there's no temptation. The Bible says there's lots of, the Bible says a lot of good things. There's no temptation taking you, but it's just as common to man, but God will with it, but God is faithful. Will with a temptation make you a way of escape? In other words, that way of escape oftentimes in temptation is at the beginning. It's when your eyes light on it. It's when your, your, your flesh begins to desire it and your spirit reacts and goes, no, this is wrong. You get a chance to say no. You get an opportunity to say, I can't do this, I won't do this. But brother, if you let that opportunity go by, you then can be turned over to that sin and become a slave of that sin and become a servant. The consequences come. Wow. But Amnon had a friend. Who were your friends? Who were your friends? If I may say young people, and I consider you young people. I know. Young people, that's everybody under 60. Young people, I think it's unwise to go to your peers and ask them what their advice is on life-changing decisions. 
I, I think it's unwise to go, oh, I know they're going to tell you what you want to hear and in many cases tell you the kinds of things you want to hear, but you don't want, in, the, in this case, he goes to one of his peers. Had he gone to some older person, said they'd have said to me, I just got to believe this, said, no, 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 this is not. You go to David, you ask him, do the right thing, do the right way. Things will work out for you. It's going to be better. This is not going to work. Come on, what is there any outcome with raping Tamar that was going to be good? No. Anybody's right mind would not. Jonadab, are you out of your mind? You're going to think by raping this, this girl that this is just going to get washed under. And by the way, it did get washed. It did get washed under the carpet. It did get swept under the carpet. David really, should, at that time, if he had followed the Pentateuch, would have taken his son and had him put to death. And I'm going to say this. Had, if Tamar did not cry out, she would have been put to death. Because in the city, a woman that was raped, if she cried out, she was innocent. But if she did not cry out, then she was participant to it and was put to death with the one that raped her. That's the law of Moses. Now, she's in the field. No matter what happened, she's innocent because there was nobody there to hear. But Tamar was not. Then there were people around. It was a bedroom. There was, this was a palace. This was a house. She could have screamed and cried out possibly. I don't know. I don't know. But I can tell you one thing. Oh, to God, it had been a different outcome. Let me say, the devil will come by your house. He's going to give you a temptation. Who are you going to go to for advice? You're going to call your friends up. You're going to go to Facebook and, and type in your little buddies and have them come down and say, yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's great. Oh, that's good. I think you're good. I think you're awesome. I think you're wonderful. I think you're fabulous. Call me up. I'll spare nothing. I'll give you the real deal. Oh, you're so good looking. I hear it on Facebook. I would just want to go on and say, oh, you're beautiful. Oh, you're this. Oh, you're that. You know flattery's a sin? You know that? You ever know flattery's a sin? That's probably bad to get on there and say you're ugly as a fence post, but These people get on Facebook, and all their little peers, they got about 20, 25, 30, 30 50, 100 peers, and their peers, oh, you're wonderful, you're wonderful, you're wonderful, you're wonderful, you're wonderful. I'd be worried about that. I want to go to some older folks, some people have been around a while, some people have had some time under their belt, and I want to ask them, biblically speaking, honestly, before God, what do you think I ought to do? Now, you, a lot of times when people come in to talk to me like that, they already know what I want to answer. They already know the answer is going to. How do I know that? They'll come in and say, Preacher, I've been to a bunch of other people and asked them what, what I should do in this position, but I thought I might as well come to somebody who, who's a Bible believer. And you know a preacher. And they'll come in front of you and say, Now I know, Preacher, you're all, I already know what you're going to say. I already know that you're going to tell me not to do this, but I just got to hear it from you. And I say, well, if you already know what I'm going to say, why are you here? He said, well, I just, I just want to. I say, okay, you're right. What you want to do is wrong. Don't do it. I knew you were going to say that. And they go out and do it anyway. They go out and do it anyway. And I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. I have people come in to me on a, I, through the years on a regular basis saying, I already know what you're going to answer, but I just got to hear it from you. 
Amen. Well, if you already know what I'm going to answer, you already know what the Bible says. And if you already know what the Bible says, do what the Bible says. But Amnon had a friend. But Amnon had a friend. How many, how many people, how many young people have reaped horror and consequences lifelong because they listened to one of their buddies? And one of their buddies, which very likely was like a Jonadab, a sneaky snake. told him just at that vulnerable moment, oh, go ahead. You're a king's son. May God help us to seek the good advice and not follow peer pressure. And not follow a lot of times what your peers say, but what the older men say or the older women say. Actually, the Bible instructs us to do that. It says the younger women go to the older women. Why do you think, the, why do you think it does that? Because those older women don't know anything, haven't been anywhere. I know one thing, if I want some good food, I go to the older women. They don't only have wisdom, they can cook. Amen? You girls wouldn't be in bad shape going to them and learn that either. Amen? But go, go to the old. You, you, some of you girls, they're having babies, they're having families, beginning families. Sometimes you read baby magazines. God forbid you read baby magazines. Then people, then people never have raised a good kid yet. Oh, they got their Ph.D. In, in child psychology. That's what I'm saying. They haven't raised a good kid yet. You go out to eat with their kids and see what you think. They'll be running around. Ah! You know when them kids are, I got to get this off my chest. You know when them kids are screaming in the restaurant? I'm going to do this. I want you to come bail me sometime. One of these days on an airplane, I'm just going to pop out. I'm just going nuts, preacher. It'll be my last day. But I'm just going to tell you. I'm just going to get up after I put up with them kids screaming for about 15, 20 minutes and completely controlling the whole environment there. I'm just going to get up and go, ah! And when they come over and say, man, what are you doing? Shut up. I say, you shut him up, I'll shut up. You shut him up, I'll shut up. Then when he goes, ah! Take my food, throw it on the floor. What are you doing throwing that food on the floor? When he quits throwing his food, I'm going to quit throwing mine on the floor. Let me tell you, if all of us to do that, they quit taking them spoiled brats in public. Give me those children a couple weeks. I could help you. I'm serious about that. Folks, 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 be careful. Now, by the way, don't do that. I would lie to you tonight if I hadn't, that had not crossed my mind. Real, And sometimes I come close. But I got my wife there, and I say, woman, should I get up and do this? She said, no, don't do it. Don't do it, Bill. Don't do it. But I think the day I retire and I have my last thing, I'm going to do it the day before that. Especially on an airplane. I want to do that on an airplane real bad. Father, help us tonight. Uh, Father... We laughed a little bit about this and that, but we know it's such a serious subject. We know that, that it's a temptation for young people to go to their own age group and ask them advice on, on life-changing decisions. Uh, what, what college do you think I ought to go to? Or what woman do you think I ought to like? And what, what marriage do you think I ought to do? This? And, and, and God have mercy. Help us to go to wise folks. So why, the people that go to wise people are wise. People that go to fools are fools. Help us understand this principle.
about peer pressure. And help us not to fall victim. I believe if, 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 if we pray, Lord, help us keep us from falling victim, you'll keep us from falling victim. You'll come. Father, there'll be one in this room tonight. Said, Brother Bill, I'm right on the edge of vulnerable to sin. Big life-changing decision. Man, oh man, I need good advice. Brother, seek good advice. Sister, seek good advice. Seek Bible advice. Go to God. He knows what's down the road. There's no pleasure that the devil offers you is worth it. There's no pleasure that the devil offers you is worth sinning against God. There ain't no pleasure. There's nothing. It's false. It's a lie. Amnon didn't get to have Tamar and lost his own life in the process. Father, we ask you that you'd help us to see it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing a couple verses just.